This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on Monday afternoon, January 29th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. There's a growing move in Illinois to introduce food products infused with THC. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the busy week ahead includes a boatload of tech earnings and a Fed rate decision. Welcome in Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com in San Diego. Go, Jim. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, the great guessing game of 2024 so far is uh, when will the Fed cut interest rates? They said they were going to do it. It's a matter of just gaming out the timing. And I'm guessing uh, more fuel to that fire will be added this week. Absolutely. Uh, again, Rob, after last week's GDP report, which shows the economy continued to move along nicely in the fourth quarter, uh, we also got, uh, you know, decent and good inflation data. So it really isn't a question of if, it's just is, as you framed it, when the Fed will cut rates. The strong GDP number suggests that the Fed will have patience. So no rate hike, obviously, at this meeting. I am still skeptical that there'll be a cut in March. Uh, so the most likely target date would be the May meeting. Right. It seems like the uh, the smart money has shifted from March into May. And I guess the question is, and, and we often hear analysts talk about uh, restrictive interest rates, and what makes an interest rate restrictive uh, compared to a broader economic activity? That's a great question. And basically, it's fairly simple, Rob. If uh, inflation is running at 2% and the Fed funds rate was at 1%, uh, you'd have a negative 1% real rate to the funds rate because it was below the Fed funds rate. Now what we're seeing is the funds rate up about 5 and 3 eighths, and inflation, let's say, is at 3% to 2.5%. So the, the difference between where inflation is now and where the funds rate is is a positive number by you know 2.5% or so, 3%. And historically, uh, a real funds rate at that level is considered to be restrictive. If inflation continues to drop, it becomes more restrictive. And that's why it's not a question of if, it's just a question of when the Fed will cut rates, because they want to maintain some level of restrictiveness, but not too much. We're setting out the week ahead with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Big week for big tech, Microsoft, Apple, Meta, Amazon, and Alphabet all uh, stepping up to the bar to uh, reveal their uh, fourth quarter uh, earnings and to uh, give their guidance for the year ahead. Uh, What's the street looking for? Well, I think the street is looking for these companies on balance to report solid, good numbers. As always, I think, and maybe more so now, the key will be the uh, outlook. What are they projecting for the balance of 2024? So I think on balance, Rob, it will take some really bad numbers by a number of these companies to, to derail the enthusiasm for the uh, Magnificent Seven stocks. And then uh, some of the reports coming out later this week, uh, home prices, job openings, and consumer confidence. And then we get the uh, two employment numbers for the month of January, uh, the private payroll report on Wednesday, the government report on Friday. Uh, looking at the, uh, uh, the, 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 the weekly 
uh, listing of first-time unemployment claims. It doesn't look like there's going to be much in the way of a surprise uh, as far as new jobs are concerned. No, you're absolutely right, uh, Rob. The unemployment claims number have continued to come in uh, you know, very, very low, especially from a historical perspective. So I think we're going to continue to see the trend that's been in place for much of the last year, a very gradual slowdown in job creation uh, with some numbers you know, coming in above expectations, a number coming in below. So I don't think we're going to see anything earth shattering from the jobs number uh, when it comes out on Friday. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, we'll look at edible products infused with cannabis that a number of Chicago companies are rolling out. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Chicago cannabis companies are teaming up with restaurants and mainstream food brands to introduce edible products infused with THC. Helping us learn more about it is Ali Marathi restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Ali, thank you for joining us today. And before we talk about some of these uh, Chicago-based cannabis companies that are getting into the food space, I just want to ask you, like these THC infused products is this similar to like you have you order like wings with uh, a honey maple bourbon sauce where they just keep the flavor in but the alcohol has been burned out or uh will will these thc wings eventually ping a drug test that's a great question so it's exactly the opposite um the cannabis companies nowadays have gotten really good at extracting the thc from the actual cannabis plant and infusing it into gummies, chocolates, in this case, wing sauce, so that it doesn't taste like that kind of gross weed taste. Um, The fact that I think that they've gotten pretty good at that is one of the reasons why we're seeing this expand, these infused items expand beyond gummies and and chocolate, which you can cover that taste up with sugar. Uh, So they've gotten pretty good at that. But to your second point, these will show up on drug tests. These are cannabis infused and will get you high. And this is uh, Good News, which is a brand of Chicago-based Cresco Labs. So uh, not that I was ever involved in this at any point in time, Allie, but uh, this seems like a, a snack food twist on hash brownies and, uh, and, and other things that had pot in them uh, that you would just eat as opposed to smoking or, 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 or whatever. You know, it's really interesting. So besides this wing sauce that I wrote about, there are other items that we're seeing this with. Uh, For example, the Westtown Bakery has teamed up with a newer dispensary in town called OK Cannabis. And they have made a cannabis-infused brownie mix, cake mix, using the recipe of Westtown Bakery. Um, Obviously, these are not sold at Westtown Bakery because they are infused with cannabis. The mixes only are sold at dispensaries, but you can see where it's a lot of that kind of train of thought, right? Um, Magnolia Bakery out of New York, we've got a couple locations in Chicago too. They teamed up with another Chicago company, GTI, to make uh, infused candy bars that taste like their famous banana pudding and red velvet cake. And they told me that they thought of doing this, getting into the cannabis space, because they were seeing on social media that a lot of people were reaching for their banana pudding when they had the munchies. So I think that you're right in that it is kind of the same train of thought there. Well, if we're talking to Ali Maradi, a restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business, about uh, some Chicago companies getting into uh, cannabis-infused foods. Uh, and, and first off, it seems like uh, if you are a conscientious party host, if you have uh, any... Um, uh, 
uh, uh, manners or morals whatsoever. Uh, if you are serving this stuff at a Super Bowl party two weeks from now, you should probably tell your guests what's in it. Yeah, I think you do need to be very clear about that. And I think the other thing that's uh, interesting and for a host to keep in mind, but also those party goers that might try this, is that these brownies, you know, these wing sauces, it's not like when you were in college and someone tried to make their own, you know, weed brownies or whatever, because that's using a different process. So that process I explained earlier where they're, it's very scientific in the lab, you know, they're extracting the THC, they're putting it back in these products in a way that it's evenly distributed. So if you get one of these products and it says there's 100 milligrams of THC in it, you know that if you make 20 wings, that's going to be five milligrams a wing. So you kind of know it, you go in knowing what is my limit, you know, what I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that's like bouncing off the ceiling in the corner during the game. Yeah, this this reminds me, it's like a, a, the 21st century version of uh, these are the Jello Jigglers for kids and these are the Jello Jigglers for adults. So keep them separate <laughs> and out of reach, out of their reach. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Ali Maradi, restaurant and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, the Super Bowl will likely have a strong impact on sports betting in Illinois, which hit a record level last year. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Sports betting in Illinois is thriving. Joining us with the details is Dave Foreman, Vice President of Research at the American Gaming Association in Washington. Dave, thank you for joining us today. And since uh, the the Super Bowl matchup is Kansas City versus San Francisco, a rematch of the Super Bowl in 2020. Let's go back to four years ago uh, when that Super Bowl was played. Illinois was on the cusp of legalizing uh, sports gambling. Uh, it would do so uh, around uh, March 10th or so of 2020, and then all sports shut down later that week. But uh, Illinois has made up for that and then some in the four years since. Yeah, they, they sure have. It was unfortunate timing at the beginning there, uh, like you mentioned. But, you know, four years later, uh, Illinois is now the third biggest uh, sports betting market in the United States. And uh, by the time the final numbers ran on, on 2023, it, it's likely that people in Illinois are going to bet, you know, almost $12 billion on sports over the course of the year. And the uh, the story of professional football and its evolution and the evolution of sports gambling almost go uh, hand in hand. I mean, even 40 years ago, you had uh, Jimmy the Greek on CBS and Pete Axthelm on NBC uh, talking about lines and overs and unders uh, on pregame shows. Uh, even when at a time when you can only bet in Las Vegas and Atlantic City uh, legally. So we do have the Super Bowl coming up. It's going to be a big sports gambling event, uh, not only in Illinois but across the country. But how has bet on the Super Bowl evolved over that time? Well, I think that, that obviously people have moved from, uh, you know, either betting illegally with a bookie, uh, you know, offshore sites to, you know, moving a lot of their, that business uh, to legal, uh, legal operators where they're going to be a lot more confident that they're going to get paid out uh, if they win, uh, that there's going to be some form of recourse for them if they have a, an argument with the book. Um, so I think it's it's been a really big win for consumers that, uh, you know, things have, have evolved in terms of, you know, how they can place their bet safely. And then in terms of uh, uh, the hype leading up to this particular matchup, um, do the 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 sport like the 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 betting handles and the amount won lost and wagered uh, on on an individual Super Bowl does it ebb and flow uh, based on the interest or 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 the quality of the game I mean do do people uh, bet a lot less when it's uh, shaping up to be a blowout versus a close game 
yeah, I think I think the teams and the markets involved in the game have some impact, but it's not as big as you might think. You know, the Super Bowl is kind of a national event at this point, uh, both as a, as kind of a TV event, but also as a betting event. You know, we think that Americans are going to bet, you know, somewhere around 1.5 billion dollars just on this game uh, in a few weeks. It's the single biggest individual sporting uh, betting event of the year. And it's something like 1% of, of all the money bet over the course of the year on sports in America is going to be bet, you know, on this game over the next few weeks. Um, you know, whether it's an in-game bet, whether it's a prop bet, uh, or whether it's some uh, crazy parlay that, that people take a, a, a flyer on, uh, you know, there's a lot of action on this game and, and it, it's by far the biggest betting event of the year. I was going to say, Dave, my favorite uh, prop bet in the Super Bowl always is uh, how long does the uh, Star-Spangled Banner singer hold Brave uh, in Home of the Brave? That's always a fun one. Dave Foreman, Vice President of Research at the American Gaming Association in Washington. Thank you for joining us today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A judge weighs in on whether Donald Trump should appear on the Illinois primary ballot. President Biden says there will be a U.S. response to the weekend drone strike in Jordan that killed three American soldiers. As we continue the noon business hour, we'll look at what's contributing to a growing exodus of doctors from their profession. And at Stock Picker Monday, we'll get some advice from an investment pro. Business, the markets are higher. The Dow is up 11 points. The Nasdaq is up up 69 and the S&P 500 is up nine points 35 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies going up to 42 today it's 12:31, topping our news at the half hour. There's a twist to what a judge said after hearing arguments on whether Donald Trump should be on the Illinois ballot in the March primary and issuing his opinion on Friday. The judge agreed with objectors that the former president took part in the January 6, 2021 insurrection and therefore should be shut out of the March 19th primary. But he added that a higher court, not the state board of elections, should make the ultimate decision. That opinion is still seen as a setback for Mr. Trump, whose candidacy has been challenged in 35 other states. He's been disqualified in Colorado and Maine, and legal experts say this issue will eventually be settled by the Supreme Court. Reaction continues to be heard after the weekend drone strike in Jordan that killed at least three U.S. service members. The White House says the three American service members were killed in the drone strike, which took place in northeast Jordan, near the Syrian border. More than two dozen military personnel personnel were also injured. President Biden called it a despicable and wholly unjust attack and says the U.S. will hold those responsible to account. These are the first U.S. fatalities in months of strikes against Iranian-backed militias, which have been attacking U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. There are some 3,000 U.S. forces stationed in Jordan, which is used as a staging base. One Jordanian official said the attack actually occurred on the Syrian side of the border. I'm Jackie Quinn. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Uh, markets are higher once again. Helping us keep track on what's happening on Wall Street is Gary Kultbaum, President Kultbaum Capital Management, Fox News business contributor in Orlando. Find him online, GaryK.com. Gary, thanks for joining us today. And uh, this is a big week for big tech. Uh, the uh, tech titans uh, all report their uh, fourth quarter earnings. What are you looking for uh, as they... Uh, 
uh, talk about what happened in the fourth quarter and uh, set the table for the year to come. Well, to put it best, six names are going to be making up uh, 35% of the NASDAQ 100 and 25% of the S&P. Just six names, but there's hundreds more reporting. So for me, it's, it's never about really what they say or what they report. It's going to be the reactions. I've seen bad news being bought up. I've seen good news sold down. Uh, but my expectations from the big guys is that they'll either meet or beat, and then we'll see what kind of reactions. And if we get reactions like Taiwan Semiconductor that we just had because they raised estimates, uh, it, it's going to be a pretty darn good. And all I can tell you right now, in tech land, uh, it is software semiconductors and artificial intelligence that's uh, working the day, and that's where I parked my uh, money, and so far, so good. The uh, big guessing game of 2024 so far uh, is when will the Fed cut interest rates? And uh, that debate will get some new fodder this week when the uh, Fed uh, holds their meeting. Uh, Chances are uh, they're going to hold rates where they are. But uh, this is uh, it's been a lot. There have been a lot of pivotal moments for the Fed, but it seems like we're arriving at another one where they decide to hire for longer or should they cut? Well, Look, if they cut, it's they're just playing catch-up. The uh, 10-year yields at 4.1, they were at 5.5. Five. They can move down to four and three quarters and really not affect much. So for me, they're quite overrated. The only thing they can do right now at this point is screw up, and that would mean raising rates, which is not happening. My expectations, they're doing nothing this go-round. They pretty much telegraph that. I would be surprised if they lowered right now. And if they don't, I don't think it's a big deal. I've been saying watch the 10-year yield. If it cooperates, good. If it keeps going up, bad. And it seems to be in a trading range now between anywhere from uh, 3.75 to 4.25. And that's fine. Uh, That's normality. When we were at zero, that was one man taking rates uh, artificially down to nothing. So this is more the market speaking, and I like free markets. And then uh, lastly, uh, a merger scuttled today, and that was uh, between Amazon and iRobot, which makes the uh, Roomba and other uh, self-serving, self-aware robotic uh, home products. And it, it, w- it was scuttled in part because of uh, getting this thing past uh, European Union regula- regulators. And is this turning into a big headache in the tech space, uh, trying to uh, making, making sure your merger uh, gets the blessing of the EU? Yeah, farther out, it's not good news, uh, and it's not just the EU. We just had somebody here stop the JetBlue uh, Spirit Air uh, claiming monopoly, and I don't see how there's a monopoly when you have so many others uh, that are bigger. But uh, welcome to the world of people in power. Uh, They get a little too much of it, and they decide to wield it uh, for no great reason. Uh, The iRobot deal with Amazon would have been uh, what I consider to be a no biggie. I don't know what they're thinking about, but... uh, Uh, Welcome to the world of the uh, powerful people uh, using uh, uh, the power in unfortunate ways. Gary Kulpbaum, President Kulpbaum Capital Management and a Fox News business contributor based in Orlando. Find him online, GaryK.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, we'll examine how burnout and job dissatisfaction is leading doctors to hang up their stethoscopes. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Burnout and job discontent adding to a doctor shortage nationwide. Joining us with the latest details is Bruce Jabson, healthcare writer for Forbes based in Chicago. Chicago. Bruce, thank you for joining us today. And it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of contributing factors, but it sounds like this is still the the long tail of the COVID-19 crisis. 
Yeah, it is in a little, in a ways. I mean, and, and unfortunately, in this country, we have um, we have doctor, uh, we have a, a financing issue with doctors. The the Medicare funds residency slots. So Northwestern has residents, Loyola, Rush, University of Chicago. They have residencies, residencies that are funded by Medicare. We have not increased the budget for residencies. Uh, in this country due to the Balanced Budget Act of 1997. This, uh, in the last, under, under Biden, they did add 1,000 residency, they're funding 1,000 residency positions um, over the country, but there, there's definitely uh, a shortage of positions. There has been for quite some time. And you know what? This is all part of the labor issues that we have in this country. I mean, the baby boomers are retiring. Doctors tend to be older because we're not putting more doctors into the system to keep up with the baby boomers, everybody who was born in 1964 and before. We don't have enough people to replace, um, you know, restaurant workers or whatever. And now we have physicians. The, the, the good news is, is that in some areas of primary care, um, nurse practitioners, which are able to prescribe, which are able to do physicals and, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, routine maladies and, and things like that are growing in number. And so they're filling the gap. Like I, I'm sure people are listening in and saying, you know what? My physical used to be done by um, a physician, but you know what? I went to CVS's minute clinic and I had it done. That would have been unheard of 10 years ago. So there are sort of allied health professionals, physicians, assistants, nurse practitioners, filling the gap, but it isn't enough. Um, we need more uh, funding for physicians in this country, and we need more uh, primary care doctors in particular. So it, it's, it's a problem, and it's, you know, the, the, the typical labor forces we know, um, we have low unemployment. I think we're going to have that for quite some time, but, but it's definitely hitting uh, physicians for sure. We're talking to Bruce Jabson, healthcare writer for Forbes. You mentioned that uh, uh, there is a, a, a big retirement because a lot of a big wave of retirements because a lot of uh, doctors are of that baby boom generation, and that also is uh, exacerbating the problem too on the on the healthcare side of things because you have this aging population and a shriek a shrinking pool of doctors in which to treat them. Yeah, there's there's one thing, though, that I do want to get, because, you know, what, it's, it's an election year, and we're going to hear a lot of people saying, you know, nobody wants to go into medicine. That is not true. We have, <laughs> we have record numbers of people who still want to be a physician. And the interesting thing um, during the pandemic was there were off-the-charts numbers of people who were applying to go to medical school. And um, that has tailed off a little bit. But the problem is in the financing than when you get into the, to the residency slots. So higher academic, higher, excuse me, um, in academia, they're, they're working on some of these things. But people, when they hear, like, nobody wants to be a doctor, that's not true at all. I mean, there, there are, have been, over the course of the last two or three years, there have been record applications to medical school. So that's good. But we just have to find a way um, to get the financing to to bring more into the system because you see you know walgreens uh for example you know they they have a a partnership with chicago-based village md to attach uh doctor staff clinics next to walgreens across the country they had to scale that back because they didn't have the physicians were not able to build their panels of patients and also amazon is getting into amazon has bought this company called one medical 
that has some offices in Chicago, but they can't roll them out fast enough if you don't have the providers. And so we definitely need more people going into these professions. Bruce Jepson, healthcare writer for Forbes in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday. We welcome in Matt Shapiro, President MWS Capital in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. Two selections on this Stock Picker Monday. And your first selection, Matt, is from the insurance space. Yes, Chubb, uh, which is a large international insurer formed by the merger of the old United States Chubb and Ace Incorporated out of Europe, um, $100 billion market cap company, uh, you know, relatively large, not a trillion, of course. Um, but one of the few stocks, fundamental stock, insurance companies, financial company with a very attractive P.E. of about 12, they've essentially done everything right as an insurance company it's a great premium writing market interest rates are going the way the insurance companies fundamentally this should be great for them earnings are tomorrow night and uh, i also know the chubb group of insurance companies from their years of uh, <laughs> underwriting public television so uh, uh, they still have a presence there and then uh, the next one uh, you know their commercials on this radio station because they are the ones who get it done yeah, a local favorite, Granger, and not a really well-known stock again. A smaller company, of course, very big, highly fragmented distribution business, of course. They're sort of like the full-service Amazon of industrial supply. Everybody knows that. The stock uh, it almost never splits $890 again. Phenomenal earnings uh, backing with, uh, you know, the, it's owned by the Contra Fund. It's a great growth story. Is it too high at $890? Well, again, earnings are going to be in a few days. See if we can get this one on a pullback. Both these stocks, Chubb and Granger, boring, but very hard to buy. They seem to just keep on going up. It's interesting on Granger, too, uh, given uh, it, it's it's pretty resilient at a time where the you get a number of uh, readings on the manufacturing sector or housing or the industrial space uh, that are inconsistent. Uh, you, you don't know whether the sector is in a recession or not, but uh, clearly the uh, company that supplies them is doing pretty well. Yeah, and, you know, manufacturing renaissance in the United States and the Inflation Reduction Act, which promises to spend, I think it's something like $350 billion, all that helps. Everyone needs supplies. Everyone wants to be humming. Everyone wants to come back from supply chain issues. Matt Shapiro, President, MWS Capital in Chicago. Thank you for joining us on this Stock Picker Monday. His selections, the uh, Chubb Group of Insurance Companies, the uh, stock ticker symbol CB, and then Granger, GWW, uh, his selections on this Stock Picker Monday. 